Hello, and welcome to The Kosh. I'm your host, Timber Smith, and The Kosh is a podcast that celebrates people in the Fox Cities region. Um, Okay, Kosh listeners, you already know. Let me give you the update on what's going on. It is super gloomy. Why is it so gloomy? We need sun. We need sun. And, you know, okay, I know I've had several episodes. I haven't gotten off my soapbox about this yet. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm real mad at this groundhog because he said spring. Bring that spring. Like, I'm about that life. You know, we, we've had enough of everything else. It's time for spring. Let's get that in. All right. But what I will also, I will celebrate and I'm not just going to gripe it out. There is no snow right now. And I'll take that. So that's always a blessing considering we are Wisconsin Knights. And so <clears throat> let me just say, Kosh listeners, uh, you know what I'm going to say. I do not know how I get so lucky and get these amazing, amazing guests. And I'm super excited about today's guest. Um, sometimes, like, I get excited about every guest but some guests, I just get this feeling like there's going to be some we about to learn today. That's what I think is going to happen. We about to learn today. So without further ado. This week's guest is Dasha Kelly Hamilton. Hey, Dasha. How you doing? I'm wonderful. How about you? I'm doing good. All right. So, Kosh listeners, also, let me give you the warning that we are doing this virtual. So, you already know, um, it's not going to be perfect, perfect, but we're going to be as perfect as we can be. All right. So, how's your day going? It's going really well, actually. Rested. Um, like you said, it's a little gloomy, but at least, well, it's not heavy stuff falling outside, but Mother Nature is trying to put on a show. She's getting warmed up. I see it. I yes. And you know, I hear like that this is good for us for the summer for crops and stuff like that. But um I want some of this for my soul, so give me the sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not being a farmer, uh, it's hard for me to fall into <laughs> to those as uh, as benefits, but yes. Outside of us and what we need today, we'll appreciate having the green grass in the summer, I suppose. Yeah, but come today on. Today's yeah. Today is footy. Today is footy. You ain't lying. You are not lying. All right. So we're going to jump in. And the first thing we're going to ask is, um, Dasha, can you please tell a little something about yourself and um, what is your connection to the Kosh or the surrounding Fox Cities area? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, I'm Dasha Kelly Hamilton. I like to introduce myself as a creative change agent. So it's been an umbrella that gives me a way to uh, to gather all of the, the hyphens and the slashes of the things I really love to do, which is creating and gathering and making stuff and talking to people. I'm a facilitator, an educator, I perform, all the things. But ultimately, over the course of these years, it's been because I'm able to be creative in those endeavors. That's really the through line. And I've been that way since I've been a kid. So I was an arts and crafts kid. I was... Um, you know, a storyteller at five. I was you can. I was the one always raising my hand in class. I've been that kid, been that person forever. And I'm a, so I'm an army brat. I'm originally from Milwaukee. Ooh. Um, both, both of my parents met at UW Whitewater, and 
Um, my father commissioned into the service immediately after college. So I've been a military brat. So we traveled, my family, uh, one sister, we traveled the, the globe and then come back and get into adult world. And I'm traveling and learning um, through communications and creating. And just being a student and um, I don't say a collector of people, but definitely um, I observe people in a way as art. So that's been my story, and I found a way to translate that into life work. Okay, so you're from the mill. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm from the mill. Got to okay. shove love. Uh, as, a, as, we, as I like to say, you know, mill, uh, when it, where I, I have to ask those questions of like, uh, there's a lot of people now that they quick to claim Milwaukee. And then they'd be from Cudahy. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to say Milwaukee area. And I have to really pause because I'm, mind you, I'm a military brat. So Milwaukee has always been home base for me. Okay. I've learned the city. I've been there all of my adult, been here all my adult life now, but, but, but I've still learned the city like a transplant. So when you talk to me, oh, yeah, remember the, the crystal roller ring? No, I wasn't here. No, you went. <laughs> oh, remember when such and such was on such a street? No, no, I wasn't here. I wasn't here. I was at my grandma's house. I know. Um, we were in town. But the, but the love is there. I get it. The love is there. All right. And I kind of want to ask some questions um, about being a military brat. Like, that's yeah. that's a life. Um, you know, I've served, um, but I didn't have to travel because um, I was oh. a reservist and uh, what my MOS was, uh, I was an optician. So it, I got lucky. I huh. worked out of medical hospitals and made glasses. It was, it was, uh, it was a that. nice deal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was cool. It was a nice deal. <laughs> it was, it was a good deal. Like I got some good advice when I first joined and uh, somebody gave me the advice when you, when you go and you take that test, right? You take the test and they throw out the jobs that you're going to have. And uh, somebody told me, take Whatever you do, pick something with the word tech in it. I was like, okay. Now, I'm young. I didn't know none, but it made sense to me. I was like, okay. And so they gave me a list, and there's always stuff like infantry. <laughs> and right, that's always there and, and some some other choices. But then there was this thing called optical lab tech. And I was like, mm, tech, got it. Didn't know got what it. that we'll meant. Check that out. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. Next thing I know. I was a military optician. Wow. Yeah, things happen. It's on some different. So what about you? Uh, Where did you get to go? Um, Were both parents veterans? And if not, do you know what they did um, while they were serving? Sure. Um, My father, military army, and my mother... Um, ended up ultimately doing some GS uh, GS level admin work. Okay. Um, and so my father was in human resources, basically. I remember being in college and uh, sad to say this, one of our U.S. conflicts, I want to say it was Balkan. Or the, it was, it's hard for me as a civilian to say a small war, but it was a conflict. It was all in the news, and, you know, I'm newly, as a young person, starting to even pay attention to the news. Right. <laughs> and we're calling my father, oh, my daddy, I just saw the news. He was like, oh, baby, calm down. Unless they need somebody to go and slaughter a computer, I'm good. I'll be right here where I am. Right. So his work was in dealing, in working with personnel and working with young soldiers in particular. And, in fact, once he retired from the military, and he retired as a lieutenant colonel, 
he went into work at UW-Milwaukee to help um, people that are coming out of the service with their resumes, how to transition. Because a lot of times, as you know, you have the reserves, you have some of these other yes. forces that help with the transition, but the folks who just get out and need a pathway to, to the rest of their life, he helped coach them on that. And so my mother, um, so she did DS level, I think she got to maybe DS10. Feels like that's a number. Oh yeah, that's and a number. I'm really, I'm really grateful that I was allowed to. My sister and I were allowed to be kids. Like I had no idea what my parents made or what salary really was until it was time to apply for college and scholarships and all of that stuff. So, um, I knew what they did, but I, I it wasn't something that they brought home. But watching my mother from high school to this day, she would come home from work and she would go to jazz side. Remember jazz side? Oh, and yeah. Then, yeah, leg warmers. You, know, you can bust them leg warmers. Exactly. Yeah. It was the leg warmers and a big T-shirt, and then it was the leotard and leg warmers. Then it uh. was the, the two-piece with the leg warmer with matching earrings, and then she's teaching a class, and she's taking more classes. So to watch her go from a, um, a participant wanting to lose a few pounds to becoming an elite trainer and a massage therapist over the course of my teen years in the college was was really powerful to watch both of them. So I often tell people that I got the, I won the parent lottery. Mm. My mother taught me how to fly and my father taught me to have a flight plan. Mm, facts. I'm feeling so that. So we've been, so we started off in um, Georgia. We're in Fort Benning, Georgia. Then we went to Tegu, Korea. And then we came back to Wisconsin. I went to fourth grade for um, in Wisconsin, then we went to Indiana, Indianapolis, and then we went to Germany, and then I went off to college. Mm. And after that, my parents, my family went to Southern Illinois and Hawaii. I remember telling my father, I said, Daddy, you're not slick, because you know when you are in the service, but it comes about a year or two before it's time for you to TDY to move to the next place. You put in what's called your dream sheet. You put in your request, and right. in many cases, the requests are ignored. So my father had Hawaii on his dream sheet for all of my life. I said, "Daddy, you're not slick. How did you miraculously get miraculously get Hawaii once your kids are out of the house? We're coming. You're not going to enjoy that by yourself. We're all coming." <laughs> so they, they were able to finally get that Hawaii assignment on his way out, and they both ultimately retired and was back in Wisconsin. Um, so that is my military brat story. And I tell you, Timber, it's one of the first things I tell people about myself because it, it's what you know. You know, like everybody's life, your life is what you know. And then you see how that knowing um, helps or hinders you, in some cases, out in the world. So it built this muscle to accept, not just tolerate difference, right. to, in many cases, even lean into it. You know, because you think about it, you're going to be the new person. And then your neighbor's going to be the new person. You're going to be the new kid at school. There's going to be a new kid at school. Just the nature of how military life works. All the time. You are always, you are always sitting next to or living next to or working next to someone who's completely, completely different from you in every possible way, from their religion to their beliefs to their politics to how they celebrate birthdays. And you can often not like it. But there's your neighbor. There's your coworker. There's your classmate. And um, learning to be gracious in that. And then on the other flip side, more often than not, you're just given these gifts of all these different lives and experiences 
all around you, um, you just can't help but see everyone as a story and a, and a gift. So I'm really grateful for that. Facts. Okay. Thank you. Um, we're going to jump into the first segment and the first segment is called what in the world is going on with, and that is where you start with the phrase, what in the world, and then share. Oh man, my list of peas is long. (laughs) 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 And thinking of something that's more topical, like my top pet peeve for people who litter. Oh my goodness. I I mean, it's, it's a long list, but. Thinking about in current times, um, I want to say, what in the world is going on with these extreme surgeries for beauty's sake? What in the world is going on that we have uh, dozens of men and women, the stories that have come through my feeding way are largely women, but just people that are, one, spending the money to travel to another country to get the act these augments to their bodies that don't look natural. Bruh. The DPLs and the swollen lips and um, so much that is that is, that is um, caricaturizing and I feel stealing from black and brown women and black culture. And even for people that are within the black culture, it's exaggerating something that's not natural, something that you heard in a song. And I try to, in these moments, Timber, be really mindful of, okay, that's not for me. Like, I'll see something and be reminded that, okay, that song, I am not that band's market. <laughs> they don't care that I don't like that song. They didn't make it for me. Or, you know what, that commercial is ridiculous, but I also, because my background is in marketing, I clearly am not who they're trying to get to come to the thing or buy the whatever. And similarly, it's not in my personal interest. That's not something that I would do, right? So I try to be mindful about something that I'm not interested in versus something that's wrong. Um, and as all humans, it's hard for us to separate our personal preferences from how we would prefer the world to be. Right. And finding that line between <laughs> your advocacy and being someone else's aggravate. But I think I'm right on this one. We should not be traveling to go insert, in, you know, fix a flat inside your body to look like an impossible Silhouette. It's the same argument we had about Barbie dolls that those proportions are ira- that are irrational. The same conversation we have about the filters uh, um, that our young people are trying to get plastic surgery to aspire to, and that we are still having this conversation and it's moving to the point where people are losing their lives. Oh yeah, yeah. I, how I'm not I'm not going under the knife for something I don't need need. Like I'm barely going for what I need. <laughs> I'm not trying to know, no, 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 that there's nothing cool about that. I don't know. I I totally understand where you're coming from, but I also come from a place, look, do what you got to do to be happy. And if that's going to make you happy and you think that's it, so be it. But I'm, I really come from a place of God gives you what you need. Mm-hmm. From the beginning, like it's, it's you got what you need from the beginning. Whatever that is, you just gotta grow that, fix that, um, help that, whatever it is. But but I believe like he gives you the full toolkit at the beginning, and then it's just what do you learn how to use those tools, or do you 
you know, do you understand that um, you might need to might need to work on that toolbox and make it a little stronger for it to carry the tools, whatever it is. That's true. I can see where it would just the lure of it. So see, like your comparison, you're given the toolbox that you need, right? And I'm looking at the screen. Your toolbox also had astigmatism or nearsightedness or whatever oh, yeah. has you need glasses, right? Oh yeah. So the things that you need to do to augment the tools that you have. And it's, I think it might even be more of, um, for me anyway, a conversation about what's enough. Mm. You know, so if you look at this in a timeline, once upon a time it was people getting a tummy tuck. Even if that language, tummy tuck, right. is very different from an overall overhaul of your whole body. Right. Or your, you know, the collagen and it was a Botox. And there's always something on the horizon, but it might even be less of less about the folks who feel that they need these extreme procedures to be happy and more about this machine that we've built that has so many people feeling that that they need this to be to be happy right um i understand wanting to be your fittest and wanting to look your best and wanting to feel a certain way about yourself absolutely but it's, it says something that is for a num for so many people to feel good about themselves that they all have to look the same. <laughs> I'm gonna blame this. To to- yeah, I'm with you. I'm gonna blame some of this on instant gratification too. Oh, for sure. Because you know, hey, look, you can get the BBL look from a thing we call squats. <laughs> <laughs> no, not exercise diet. No, no, not that. No, not those. Not that physical. Sculpting, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't know. Uh, now that being said, I'm not doing no physical sculpting. You're gonna have to love timber the way timber is built. <laughs> <laughs> you see this toolbox? This toolbox comes with love handles. Yep. This, tool. this toolbox comes with a muffin top. This, this toolbox yeah. comes with a cush. Yeah, that's right. Cush on the top. That's right. This toolbox comes with a tattoo that says dad bod it is it is ah. what it is and and you know it, it i'm happy this way it works it works yeah. so yeah and i want to have a understanding and empathy or when i feel that there's, if, if there's something in my toolbox that i needed so drastically to get but you like said instant gratification it's also more accessible right you know so it's something that but practically but, anyone can save up and go make happen. But once but, upon a time, but is, it, but is it really accessible when you got people, you know, uh, they save up, but they, they ain't getting the best. They're getting shortcuts or people who really don't know what they're doing. And that's how you end up with things that yeah. are right. You, they got, you know, bad things being put in their bodies. Uh, you know, people die from these procedures. So like, I don't know. I, I have Same to be, way you you can't get every every item from the store. Can't be the store brand. Like for me, soup and ketchup got to I mean, I know it's probably coming from the same company, but there's just some things that in my spirit feel different. You probably shouldn't also do a knockoff surgery body procedure if you can't Ooh. get the Bruh. facts. No, Mm-mm. and I'm with you. So now that you said that, you're gonna have to share it. What's that ketchup? Is you a Heinz? Is it? <laughs> I know Heinz or Hunt. Okay. All right, fair enough. But actually, even that that gold, red gold, I think. Yeah, um, that's not bad. Was a, was a really nice surprise too. There, they have fewer, um, fewer long, long uh, vocabulary things in their ingredients. 
I like that brand as well. I'm going to say my line is, and my daughter will tell you this because she's heard me say this since uh, birth almost. Um, two things I never cheap out on uh, toilet paper and Miracle Whip. Uh, I, I need Miracle Whip. <laughs> you ain't giving me no mayonnaise. Mayonnaise is not Miracle Whip. <laughs> You don't want the, the mayo. That's right. No. The mayo on the t- no. No, no, none of that. I need the zip and the, and the texture ain't the same. It ain't the same. It ain't That's the true. same. And and toilet paper, look. And toilet paper. Look, you can get some bad toilet paper and you're going to have a bad experience. That's all I'm going to say about that. Nobody's going to be happy about that. I'm serious about it. I carry it. Look, my wife know when we go on vacation, we pack our own rolls. We ain't playing with y'all. Oh, my. We ain't playing oh with my. y'all. Oh my! You are not bringing that that one ply sandpaper over here. No, 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 no one's happy. No one's happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my what in the world is going on with what in the world is going on with political ads? Now, here's my thing. Like, I really seriously, Bruh. Um, too many, all the time. I feel like a lot of people early vote. And so, like, I don't need to go the extra two to three weeks still looking at these ads. Why are these ads so mean? Um, mm. And now I've seen ads where we're we're villainizing, like, what is supposed to be local government officials who are nonpartisan. And how are you doing that? Like, you – it's supposed to be nonpartisan. It's local government. And so – and I just want to say for out there, because we have a very brilliant uh, listening audience out there, people, movers and shakers, people who make things happen. Um, the person who can come up with the button that once you vote, you can press it and all political ads disappear. I don't want no more phone calls, texts, ads on, on my social media, TV, you know, and wait, I'm willing to pay a subscription. I'll give you $10. I'll give you $10, cut them ads about my life for, for a couple of weeks. That's a quick 10. And I know there's millions of people, millions upon millions of people. Tell me you wouldn't put that $10 down. You, you, oh would pay you would pay I'm it. Thinking about, what's making me giggle is I finally broke down. I don't know if you play Wordle or any any in any phone game where it's like, let me just give you this $4.99 so I can stop seeing this ad for the royal match or the farm game See? or whatever I'll pay it to stop making the ad come yes I'd pay that $10 to not get that text message again See that's what I'm saying I did, look whoever is brilliant out there y'all can figure that out go on look cuz y'all already know apparently when we vote when we don't vote like <laughs> where we vote where we vote yeah just go on and just uh, make the ads disappear that's that is wow. my what in the world is going on with somebody come up with that please <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. Okay. Next segment. Ready for the next segment? I'm ready. We are jumping into word association. All right. Word association is the opportunity. I'm going to say a word. You're going to tell us what's on your mind about this word. Um, there, there is a universal word, our unifying word, I like to call it. I think you might agree with this. The first word we always start off with is food. Hmm. Ah. Uh. So, just a word, or I get to no, no, no. You you get to expand. The say what you guys say. Look, oh my goodness, food is a journey. Facts. Uh, food is an invitation. Food is an indulgence. 
Um, food is that that thing that I didn't have any money 10 minutes ago, but now I have all the money I need to pay for this meal, to go out. I didn't have any money, but now I got money to go out. So food is an excuse. It is an invitation. Um, yes, it's a delight. Ooh, I like that. That, that, you went places. That went places. All right, all right. That's it. Next one, cocktail or beer? Cocktail whiskey do we have a do we have a whiskey drink or do we just neat how we get down yeah we're whiskey drinkers so it's double neat usually um i so i started with jack moved to jameson i now like bullet and a, a woodford reserve um and I also have started to drink the peanut butter whiskey, which sounds awful. I know, I know, I know. I did the same thing. It seems sacrilegious. But it's not a peanut butter. It's not a liqueur. So it's not a sugary, sweet um, experience. It's just enough sweet. It's just enough flavor. And I'll have that whiskey over ice. And then you throw in maybe a whiskey old-fashioned Manhattan. Look, but I will say the pandemic did have uh, did have me diversify our liquor cabinet. So, so it used to be whiskey only, but yeah, we we welcome the all. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna lie. I keep hearing about this peanut butter whiskey, and 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 people people like this peanut butter whiskey, and I want to say like I feel like. Uh, there's a stereotype that I associate with peanut butter whiskey, and it's somebody's uncle. <laughs> I would have agreed. I would have agreed. I've looked at the, like the cherry mash, and first of all, backtrack. I remember in the getting to the point of being an adult drinker and being able to distinguish like, am I drinking this for the effect, or am I drinking this because I like the taste? And after a while, you get to the point where you can't tempt me with the two dollar ladies' night drink because it's going to be a liquor that I don't like, more sugar than I need. Right. Facts. Um, and so you get to the point where you like what you like what you like. And so once I got to that point, I, I will say I had a moment of, of definitely having a uh, an elitist moment of folks who needed the who needed the sugary sweet drinks or like the vanilla flavor vodka and the can cotton candy whatever whatever flavor brandy. You're not really trying to drink. But so I have so that's the person who looked at this peanut butter whiskey bottle with my nose turned up and a side eye, like, this is ridiculous. But I also love peanut butter. So got a little shooter bottle just to taste it. And I was so, so pleasantly surprised. And it has a nice little kick to it. I will say most often I use, I put the peanut butter whiskey in my coffee. Mm. Okay, that's what's up. We learning. We learning today. You're welcome. You're welcome. We learning today. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I agree with you. I agree with you. What I think happens with drinkers over time is as the body matures, it understands you can't drink like college because the effects ain't the same. So I need stuff. (laughs) Tomorrow is real. Tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow is real, real. And and what I need is I need my body to actually function tomorrow. And so, like, I need something that's been distilled multiple times. I need something that's not on the bottom shelf. I need something that costs more than $2.99 a bottle. Um, the body, like, that's where I'm from. I'm just like, look, 
I got to do the things that allow me to function the next day. Like it's always a good time in the moment, but the next day is where, where, where you either was a wise man or a not so wise man. Or not so wise man. <laughs> You're a wise man or a wasn't man. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, or a hung man. I mean, however, however you want. <laughs> it's not a good look. It's not a good feeling. <laughs> so, all right. Um, next word concert. Concert. The first thing that comes to mind when I saw that is Anita Baker. Now, here's the thing. Not for me, necessarily. Um, definitely am a fan. Don't much of her music. But I remember um, coming up, and my father would always tease us, and my, mostly my mother, but the running joke was, if Anita Baker or Sade Bruh. was at the grocery store, as a family, we would just have to understand. <laughs> <laughs> we just have to understand, right? And so, so it was always or Tina Turner of the three. Or Tina. Mm, mm. So, so we always thought that was hilarious because, of course, I mean, come on, Daddy, right? But also, really loving um, Anita Baker as a as an as an icon. One, her music. Two, I remember Steve Harvey said this once about Gladys Knight. And all these years as they've been in in the public sphere, you haven't heard any stories. They've not been on TMZ. They've been able to be totally down icons, and as far as we know, you know, they celebrity celebrity dumb goes now live their lives. So that to the left. So I had this thought. I saw that she's on tour for the first time in thirty years, mm. and I had this idea of getting a ticket for my dad to go see her. And so it was going to be a whole thing for city to send them to, and. Who would he go with, and how would that work out? And after doing all this planning, I had to pause and stop and remember what I was talking about. I was like, "Oh, you know what, Daddy? I figured before I went all out, would you get on a plane to go see Anita Baker?" He goes, "No." Oh, <laughs> I've he, seen her. He said, "No." He said, "I've seen her perform." He said, "But I'll tell you this about seeing Anita Baker live: it's just like listening to the album. Her voice is that you know, her talent is that." consistent her voice is that pure the experience is that remarkable but then you said out loud i could listen to the record at home because she's not doing a bunch of movement there's no dancers you're watching a singer sing and i had to stop and think about when i've gone to a concert that moment you want to sing along and they do a riff that mm. you didn't practice in the shower and you're kind of i can't sing along with you right now maxwell what are you doing so I, um, that's what came to my mind, this, this recent idea of thinking I would send my father to take her on her poor return. And then realizing it probably wouldn't be the best idea. So we're going to just enjoy her incredible music uh, in lives via Scary Ari Ari That's fair. Look, uh, if you, you done threw out the name Maxwell now, now I didn't went to a Maxwell concert. I've gone to one. That's an experience. Yes, that is an experience. It was a good experience. I had a good time. Wait, I did Maxwell back in the day when uh, his opening act was Alicia Keys before she was big. So Alicia opened and Maxwell came out there. And uh, and, and number two, I probably was one of four men in there. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, when I went by. <laughs> maybe five. <laughs> maybe five. Maybe five. Yeah, so that was an experience, too. And it wasn't a lot going on, but it was a lot going on. Mm-hmm. It was an ambience with the light. Oh, he got a vibe. You got a vibe. That's funny. All right. Huh. Um, next word. Shop local. Essential is the first word that comes to mind. Um, and I'm curious how, I guess I'm not curious. I know how and why it doesn't happen. But what it would take for more people, for that to be a, a standard practice. Right. So if I'm in any city, I'd much rather go to whoever is their coffee shop than a national chain. Um, I often use the language, I'm going to go here because so-and-so is fine. Right. The Hilton is fine. Starbucks is fine. Um, You know, these these big box stores are fine. How can I eat at this diner, shop at this little store? And you're getting something special. And you know that the person in front of you needs it air quotes more than the big chain. Um, I would say in terms of a local spot that I, I mean, there's so many. It's just a habit. It's just a habit wherever I, I travel in or, in or out of the state is to make sure that we're supporting um, and visiting a local something, coffee shop, diner, um, the boutique hotels, where they're making their bagels. I much prefer to, to support that. It's a different whole different energy. It is. And I whole different energy. And I just wish that more, and I don't know, like I said, I know why it happened. I just wish that there was a way that collectively that became how things were done. Um, some communities, I do think some communities really celebrate around the, you know, the shop local and then some others, not so much. And it, it might be a, to do with cost of living and, you know, I need those couple of pennies. Um, it, it matters. <laughs> you know, the struggle is real sometimes. Um, you know, and then I also think some local establishments have a culture to them, and maybe you don't feel like you fit. I see. You know, and you can tell that this is, uh, what was the chair's norm? This is Norm's place. Mm-hmm. This is Norm's soft stop. This is Norm's boutique. That's right. And I, and I don't feel very Norm. <laughs> I might not feel norm. You know, might be your cheers, but um they might not cheers me. And so there's some of that. That's fair. That's definitely fair. Um diversity. Hmm. I would say diversity today is oversold and misunderstood. Ooh, bruh. Please, please share. It's a it's critical, it's essential, it's how the universe works, it's how all living systems derive. We're learning recent years actually that where like a forest the edge of a forest meets the beginning of a field. Those are two different environmental ecosystems that are right next to each other. And along that seam where the forest meets the field is the most diverse, the most diverse um, biology. And it's a thriving community. 
same way. So thinking of that in that way, um, reframing this conversation around diversity is something that's rich, something that's vibrant, that's active, that's always changing, and um, is a source of new life and sustaining old life. So looking at it that way, it becomes a conversation of how to maintain what already is and where it's been misunderstood and I think so oversold is it's not a salve, it's not a magical bomb that we begin to do, it's what we all it's what we already are, it's how we already are. So looking at it something that we're trying to become um, takes it into a solution or a silver bullet, which turns it into a trend, which turns it into something that that feels optional and disposable. Go back to where I started. We are already diverse. This is already how we live. Facts. It's more about focusing on this dynamic of what it means to be alive today, means to be in community today, it means to be a living thing in any point today, yesterday, a thousand years ago, a thousand years from now, and not making that and not weaponizing it. So where so that's a misunderstanding that it's just, it's just something new, just a an ideal that we can strive for and see. But it's essential because it's how we already are. So I, um, in a lot of my sessions, I like to go back to, you know, comparing things to things that we all understand is uh, you know, from our evolution, from history, uh, how our brains work. Things that just are what they are, what they are, with no emotion, no political leaning, no, doesn't matter where you came from. Your brain works the way your brain works. Right? So understanding that in recognizing difference, is how we came to, as a species, still be alive, right? Being able to recognize what animals were safe and what not, what, what other tribes over the hill were your friends or your folks. Recognizing difference is essential. We weaponize difference where just automatically that means dangerous, and that's not the case. Um, but I really feel that we're in a position, especially since the murder of George Floyd, and the, the sudden, I'm using that word on purpose, the sudden interest in rectifying and being on the right side of history, having these conversations, when it's always been reactionary, when you lean to diversity as a reaction to something that is out of alignment, diversity is already natural, mm. right? It's already something that we lean into. Uh, it's something we already are. All of us. All of us. Forget that and we lean into that. So we're not really having a real conversation about how George Floyd was murdered, how the nation erupted into fires and in earnest conversations in the first place. We're not um, able to talk about the mechanisms that let us forget diversity and lean into this unnatural expectation of tribes and clans and clubs and parties and good neighborhoods and bad cities, and that's where the discussion is. So diversity has been an unlikely state show or escape from the conversations we really want. Um, and so all of that, even saying all of that, it's still the answer. It's still the answer. We're just having to, um, we're sliding into the wrong conversation, very superficial conversation around some elemental truth of how we feel. Yeah, so that's my, longer than a quick, than a quick shout out, but that's where 
No, that was going to be my question. My question was going to be, are we having the right conversations? Do you think those are happening? Um, I do want to give credit to intent. Yeah. You know, I do. I always like to make sure we celebrate um, progress, whatever it looks like. And um, I do think there's good. There's good intent. In most cases, not always. I'm not going to say there's not all. There's not always good intent, but majority of the associated with there's good intent. Um, I think, um, my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like. It. I can see that. So yes, yeah, good in, for the most part, you're right. So good intent, and I don't disagree with that. Um, what I was thinking about was there's an example in our trainings where if you are cooking in the kitchen and you turn around and you accidentally stick your daughter with this knife in your hand. You didn't intend to slash her across her shoulder. But there she is with a slash across her shoulder. So it doesn't matter that you didn't intend to. It wasn't your intention. You didn't mean it. She shouldn't be bleeding because you didn't mean it. She shouldn't be hurt because you didn't mean it. She shouldn't feel a certain way because you didn't mean it that way. Right. Said, let's focus on getting her patched up. Focus mm. on cleaning up the mess that you made unintentionally, but you still made it. Um, so that becomes a discussion. So similarly, with the intent of, I want to do, say, appear, try the thing that outwardly everyone else is doing, and it seems to be the right thing. I want to be on. I want to be in that. So the intention is to do and be and live well, righteously, and all of those things. And if you're checking boxes and going to the motions of doing things that could be a, a different unintended impact, flashing with someone's shoulder because you're spewing words that you don't really understand, you're you know, co-signing things that you don't necessarily understand or even believe, but it Bruh. feels right. So the intent is there, absolutely. So it just becomes—it's always an evolution. So what do you? So how do you absorb that intention, that action, so it's more authentic to you? So mm-hmm. then it becomes something you don't have to think about, right? Um, so I have these conversations. I say, you know, after a while, you'll be really good at your relationships with people of other races, and then you'll be really good at your interaction with people from the LGBTQI community. Then you'll be really good at how you address folks who don't eat meat. Then you'll be really good at folks who believe, and then you know what to be good with people. Then that becomes a goal. Just be good with people. Be genuine with people. You don't have to like everyone, but you can absolutely show everyone's dignity. Facts. I can dislike you and disagree with you and still show you dignity. That is possible. Um, so the, the intent doing and being your best as opposed to looking like you're doing and being those two things are very different they may use the same actions or use the same words but at some point there's going to be a divergence or there's going to be an episode that is going to be a i don't know how i ended up here well because you've been doing things for your intentions were about you and not about the topic and this is not even a a judgment it's Stating how human nature works. I think it's about you know being clear about your personal composition and having a general appreciation for human nature. I don't fault people, even criticize 
that are that we are in those spaces, just know thyself and know that we're in those spaces. Those become training wheels, which become authentic life practices. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't undermine intent either. I just like to pay attention to where people think they're being intentional in their. Hmm. I get that. And we all, again, myself included, we all are there. Again, it's how we learn, how we figure stuff out. I like to, I invite us all to quietly, I always call, I call it these quiet conversations. Have quiet conversations with yourself. Um, to almost interrogate your intentions and your emotions and your movements. And with those quiet conversations, your actions and your thoughts in your life will be even more alive, mm. I believe. Last word, community. Mm. I have two words that pop up at the same time. One is family and the other one is theater. <laughs> uh, hey, we can, we can talk about one or we can talk about both, but I'm curious. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm more curious about the theater than the, fa- uh, than the family, but I'm, I'm, let's do it. Right. Um, I'll go with the theater first. The first thing that came to my mind is literally a stage. Um, and what it takes to put on, so you have a cast, people that are in particular roles, you have a setting, um, you have folks that are that are being viewed and people that are watching, you have a, an anticipated premiere of sorts, and that's what community can feel like at any given moment, from being an organizer to watching the news, to having conversations with your neighbors, to everybody believing in this one particular activity or sport or what have you, um, that's what community can feel like, that, that there are these explicit roles to be played and that anything can happen and all of us are impacted. We are all impacted if uh, someone starts tackling, start tackling from the back. Mm-hmm. We all are impacted <laughs> when the when the star performer really catches a role and is the best moment, we are all impacted. The marketing isn't done right. We are all impacted when collaborations, we all experience this. So I, I think about, that's what the first thing came to my mind. Um, and some of it can also feel the other side of that using theater as an example, like performative. You know, again, to the role that we play, the role we think we're assigned, the way that we think we have to behave. So it can be, um, it can the idea of community as theater um, is a connecting, bonding, collaborative adventure, and it also can be a scripted habit that we have to update. And family, people, your people, your people, chosen people. Mm, yep, chosen people. And some people that too. you don't choose. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Those you don't choose. And then there they are. And you love uh, them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for, for some reason. Shake, shaking your head the whole time going, oh, I love you. Oh. But you need them. You know what? There's something about, you know what? I'm not going to lie. I love a good character quirk. <laughs> they just, you know, it just makes the world. Interesting. It keeps your perspective right. You, it really does. I had this um, training that years ago. Um, I used to do speaking for Monster.com. 
Ooh. They have an outfit called Bacon It Count, and then it was the virtual leadership program. And these were the best and the brightest students from different college campuses that came to the solution. And so we had this pre-training to learn the modules to do the sessions for them. And one of them was about you've taken those leadership trainings where everyone's a color or an animal or something. Get the group you're able to compare personality styles. Okay. So in this one, now keep in mind it's a diversity training. So for the most part, most of these young people were students of color. You know, Black, Latin, Native American, Asian, um, they're LGBTQI, you know, different forms of ability, but they were leaders in their group. So having a conversation about diversity with a diverse group, I really love that they went to, again, leadership styles. And I've carried this with me, Timber, for years. So I, in the little quadrant, you've got the four, you got a circle, and you got the upper quadrant is the red for communication, the people person. The lower right quadrant as a, is the ideas or the not the ideas person the upper right communication the lower left and the, the lower right was logic the logistics and then um, procedures. I've called those folks for all the, this is training the Sharpie marker people. In this training, I walked away being reminded that the way that we show up with our skill set is another form of diversity to be acknowledged. I'm the idea person. Shock, surprise, right? I'm the idea person. I'm the communication person. And until I did this session, I always felt that the Sharpie marker person was there to annoy me. Mm. You're like, like, well, what about the Sharpie markers at, uh, the, at the comfort table? And I'm the one who's like, ah, the Sharpie markers will show up. Somebody, the, the Sharpie markers will happen. We're talking about resurrecting Prince right now. We're talking about this grant. Why are we talking about, right? And I was able to realize that I make the Sharpie marker person crazy because I, I'm the idea person who hasn't figured out how to spreadsheet with a cat, right? Right. So what you said that made me think of that is the thing at the end of this training is that we were always minded that these folks show up, that this is what they need, not to just be successful, but to feel safe. This is what they need. To, this is the environment or the path or the or the, the thought that they need to be immersed in to be their best self. And I've never given that consideration before. And I remember going to the place I was working and mail had to be down by 11. I show up with my mail from my office at 11.07. Mm. She is still processing the mail. She is still standing there processing the mail, but she won't take mine because it wasn't down to 11. That's a Sharpie marker person. That's, that's order. That's process. That's, and I literally was able to walk away with a whole different appreciation for how our brains show up in these movies. So that's what comes to mind with, um, in thinking about that. We, you said that we all take what we need. And even that person who's going to ask about the Sharpie markers is there not to get on my nerves, but I need them. Oh yeah, and they need me. They don't know that they need me. I get on their nerves too, but we need each other. Oh so no, they I'm able to appreciate appreciate the need part. Wait, they know they need you, but they ain't gonna tell you. <laughs> I lo- I love me a good sharpie uh, marker person. Them them look they Woo! they they make the thing work. They do logistics. They make it work. And then, you know, we all got our strong suits. And so, look, I will partner with a good Sharpie marker guy or lady all day. They make it work. Because some of us, the details is not our thing. 
Hey, I'm just saying. I get the big, I get the big chunky details. It's that fine grain. Woo. I'll get, I'll get a lot of them, but not all of them. Facts. That's how I get I'm down to. <laughs> okay, you ready for the next segment? I'm ready. All right, next segment is the Kosh Hidden Gems. This is your opportunity to share a hidden gem. And since, you know, you can share just whatever hidden gem you would like with us. Uh, could be the Kosh, Fox Cities, yeah. Wisconsin. Shoot, the nation. Uh-oh. I'm with it. Let me see. Let me see. Um, I've got two. So one is a little gem of a place to eat. We had a show in Madison and went to the Tornado Room. Mm-hmm. This was the best French onion soup I have ever had, ever, ever, like ever. Say that again. Wait, Tornado Room? Tornado Room? Tornado Room in Madison, yes. It's the Steakhouse, Supper Club. Uh, The Steakhouse also amazing. Uh, Best French onion soup I've ever had. And and it's an odd thing to make a shout-out for French onion soup, but when you can get that right, you know the rest of the meal was great. So I was really taken by surprise. I've been to Madison so many times. So it's one of these places where I finally went to check it out. I was really, really pleased with that. And the second is a place. I was able to, for the first time, go to Washington Island last summer. Hmm. Where's that at? Right, I, up, I, right up, the, up the tip of Door County. So you go up the thumb, okay. the thumb of the state, and at the very end of the thumb, there's a couple of islands. And Washington Island has... Uh, Lavender field, and it was you know you take a ferry across, so that was, it was a whole lovely experience. Small community, and if I remember the whole school system, K twelve has like maybe two hundred students in it. It's a small place, but it was pretty good and relaxing, and I felt like a whole new person just being there for the afternoon. And that is right here in our state, so that was a, a pleasant hidden. I don't know what hidden. I just hadn't made the trip up there. But I invite folks to make the trip up there. Um, let me think another place that I, I'll do those two. Okay. I'll do those two. All right. See, well, the key to the hidden gem is like, uh, it, maybe everybody knows about it, but they might not know the specific thing about it, right? Or there's so many things because we all operate from our space, our silos, and, you know, it, it, we could drive past something every day and not know that that is the thing. That, 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 that that's that's where you get those fire tacos at uh that's where, <laughs> like you know you don't you don't know until somebody tells you and you'd be like for real let me go in there and then you go in there and you'd be like i've been driving past this for a decade that's been in here the whole time whole time, time. yeah whole time okay all right we're gonna take a short commercial break did you know there are children in the fox valley in need of hearing aids but their parents struggle to provide them because of lack of insurance or high copays i am juliette sturkins audiologist and board member of here in the fox cities and proud that this small local nonprofit organization has helped fund hearing aids for some 30 kids your donation would help more children here. Visit hereinthefoxcities.org to learn more and to see their smiles. Every child deserves to hear. 
Okay, facts. Um, are you ready for the next segment? This is quickly becoming my one of my favorite segments, um, and it is called Story Time. And it's just an opportunity for our guest just share a story. It can be about anything you want it to be about. Um, but I just feel narratives are so impactful. So, Tasha, what you got? So many. <clears throat> um, I will tell a story about how I met my husband. Ooh, that, that's Ooh. the we, wait. We feeling that? Bruh. Yes, lads. <laughs> because I'm not gonna lie. Um, uh, mate meeting stories are fire. They are always interesting because it's never like it ain't gonna be like TV. It ain't gonna be like TV. It's gonna be something different. Mm-hmm. And especially when you have both couples, and you, it's always funny if you tell who starts to tell it first. Mm. And there's sometimes different versions. So we had a dinner party uh, tonight, and that was what we did. All the couples and met. Uh, my husband and I met at a poetry festival for teenagers. So there's a festival called Brave New Voices. And I've been coaching, I had been coaching the Wisconsin team at that point for 10 years. And so you have high school students in their, uh, in their own city that write these poems and they write them with all of their, so earnestly, and they get on stage and perform them. And then they become winners and then they became, we travel to different cities all these things that collect. So Brave New Voices hype at anywhere from 50 to 60 teams across the country. And then even international teams, teams that go. And so many of the coaches from the Brave New Voices network also participated in the adult coach. So by 10 years in as an adult, as a youth coach, I'd also been an adult coach. I know all the coaches. So I recognize people's faces that are new. So when I see this tall brother um, in the coaches meeting, hey, how you doing? Was my energy, right? <laughs> so this is when the conference was in San Francisco. And we ended up, our team, we had to, we ended up waiting in line. So all, the finals night and all of the teams, we got seven, 800 teenagers that we have all have to keep in, in order. So mm. we hurried up place and we ended up waiting for the time to get things together. That year we were at the San Francisco Opera House, where the finals went. And so my husband and his chemo, we ended up standing next to each other for this wait time and this, you know, fell the conversation. A year passed and we probably exchanged like one social media like or tweet or something and we just didn't for no other reason we just didn't stay connected. Following you for the second Year after that was Oh wait, repeat, repeat that because uh, we blanked out there. We blanked out. So what did you say? Year, year after the the festival was in Chicago. Okay. All of us, I'd gone down, and every year I would tell my students, say, "Hey, listen, when we get to Brave New Voices, if you come back to Milwaukee with the same phone numbers in your phone, you have failed." Because these are going to be your peers. These are going to be your net. You're going to you're going to see these names again. And even if you don't, the whole point of being here is more than the competition. It's more than you're with your people, right? And so that year was probably the most outgoing team I'd ever had. Our first breakfast, pew, they were gone. Mm. They were out making friends. Like, oh, 
you know, fine. I don't need y'all. I got my own friends here. And she was the first table that I saw. I said, hey, do you mind if I have breakfast? When he tells you tell the story, he's describing kicking kids off the table and moving their breakfast out of the way to make space for me. Um, that's how so I had breakfast with him and his team. Um, and we just kind of saw each other just course of the week in the very last night of the competition. Last night, all the kids are, you know, they're getting their goodbyes in and all the chaperones. We're making sure that <clears throat> them, them goodbyes don't get to be too good to anybody. Because I don't want anybody's mama calling me and not right? Facts. So we're on chaperone duty and we're, you know, making sure the girls go to the girls' side of the dorm. Talking and we're laughing. I keep a deck of cards in my bag. We end up playing spades. We, we talk until six o'clock. The kids are long, long tucked in and gone the buck away. And we were just in the lobby of the dorm telling all the stories. And the next morning, you know, we're packing up and all the, you got this courtyard, you see this sea of high school students and their roller bags and everyone's trading numbers, getting ready to go. And I see, he's 6'3", and I see this tall man in the middle of the courtyard, sun shining on him, and I just knew. So we went on a date to the movie, and we had talked every day ever since. So mind you, he's in Anchorage, and I'm in Milwaukee. And we're able to visit a few times, and we knew really early that, that this is my dated for three years. Got married in Alaska. Moved to Milwaukee. What? Married in Alaska? I know. Got married in Homer, Alaska. It was beautiful. My father said, uh, is there something about your childhood that we need to talk about? I'm like, Daddy, get on the plane. I'm just saying, why are we going to Alaska in January? Daddy, get on the plane. Bruh. I'm feeling daddy. <laughs> it was beautiful. And let me tell you something. For the years that I've been, I had been visiting, and for some reason it was always in the winter. It was always colder in the summer than Alaska. Oh, okay. Always. It was always colder here, so pretty comparable in Anchorage anyway. When you go to the Fairbanks, that's the six months of darkness and the tundra that you think about. Um, so we got married there. He moved here for years, so my daughter can get through high school. Back to Anchorage, his kids. And around that time, I am just um, middle of my term as a poet laureate from Milwaukee. I'm about to earn the position as a poet laureate for Wisconsin, so we have to get a different plan. So I've been living between Wisconsin and Anchorage two years. I lived there season. So I now have an Anchorage book uh, library card official. So that has been a wild love story, and we are now already looking at saving the city for Virginia. Done with snow. Done with cold. So that's my love story. I'm feeling that. Oh, yeah. thank you. That's look. That's good. I'm waiting. I'm, I, I can envision this too. I'm 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 catching the home moment of the sun shining down on the six three <laughs> young man. Yes, yeah. and then the, in the clouds part. And <laughs> you saw it. You were there. You saw it. <laughs> it was so perfect. We had a leadership uh, conference back in San Francisco, and we're we're taking a lunch break. And he's really intent on, hey, let's go, yeah, let's share the kitchen, Uber, and go over to the opera house. No, why not? Where he proposed. It was perfect. Okay. And I didn't see it coming. So, you know, 
you have to know that we we appreciate that. Well, it, I wrote a whole article once about dating a guy and we went on this trip together. And by the time we got home, I was furious, furious. Because I had recognized at least half a dozen great opportunities for him to propose to me. Oh, <laughs> he didn't know. He didn't know. And it wasn't supposed to. So, hey, I'm going to be, uh, look, I'm going to be the first to admit we men, we don't always get it. We miss all sorts yeah, we, of things. Like, we, we, that ain't our strong suit all the time. <laughs> we trying to tell y'all. Look, I know. It'll work that way. It, it just <laughs> don't work that way. We can't hear it until we're ready to receive it. That's just Bruh. that's just the way we made. I, look, it happens. We try. Oh my goodness! One of the things that's really funny. Um, my husband and I. He he does facilitation for men's groups, and even outside of that, it's just, we 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 play out this conversation to this day all the time because it's really fascinating if you think about. Going back to that, you know, how we've been trained to be as men and women, how we've been coached this thing is supposed to go. Um, and then without without explicit conversation, we don't, you don't know what I, what training I have. I have a general idea, or I think I think I know what it is that all young men are taught. And we get to hear some of the things that just never made sense. So he says, we say that I am the president of the Chick Academy. And he is the dean of dude school. So we talk all the time about how, yeah, we were told over in the Chick Academy that we that we make you a project or that we have to just kept, we're, we're given instructions how to be in relationships that aren't realistic, that in relationship, both of us have to relearn how to really do this thing. But if I'm showing up with my Chick Academy notes and you're showing up with your dude school notes, and if we don't realize along the way that we have to toss those notes out and really talk to each other, it's, it's just, it's interesting. It's a hot mess. That's what it is. It's a hot, so we're a partner with that We get it. And, and certainly we're humans and we have our human. <laughs> Being reminded as full grown people and all of us know better when about the messages that we were given. It's a quick example. I know I'm telling longer stories on the phone. He does been in many most cases that are that are have been impacted by toxic relationships. And I've been able to do facilitations with this another woman to hear how how typically we hear those stories when we get together over brunch. So all, all we hear is how she's been done wrong and forget him and girl all you need is and let, we never pause and ask her what she did we never pause and say well what'd you say about his mama exactly we never pause and talk about the, the permissions and the how we're conditioned that our feelings get to be sad even when we're wrong and then we get together and reinforce that without asking some of those probing questions Different than the way men are held accountable. I mean, it's a whole other conversation of the what that men and, as, a, as a culture needs to do, yes. But we're not um, without, we're complicit in this too, in a lot of ways. And we don't, and we don't talk about that. So I'll just talk on the table and we'll go. No, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say. I can go for that. No, I'm going to say this should be a podcast. What, what was that? Uh, the Chick Academy and Dude School. Dude that, school. That, that sounds like a podcast that need to happen. 
That is, look, we might have just we might have just opened the door for something. I'm, I'm just gonna toss. I'm gonna toss that out there to the creative that's on the other side of this conversation and say, you know, y'all might be on to something right there. That might be really good. I can only imagine. So, okay, we are ready to jump into the part of the show, the, the what we think is the most important part of the show, which I think it is, and. Um, here we go. It is time for the topic of the week. All right. Topic of the week is 99.9% of the time chosen by our guest. And this week's topic of the week, Dasha. You want to tell us what this week's topic of the week is? We're talking about cake. Yes, we are making cake. <laughs> okay, let's go. We are talking about cake. Um, I have a show I'm touring called Making Cake. It is an experience. I like to frame it. Uh, so it's me telling stories. I am on stage performing these narratives. It's projected media, there's videos, there's pictures, and I have two bakers making cakes live on stage. And the stories I'm telling are stories about the history of cakes, which ultimately tell us the story of America, about access, about privilege, and about equity. And cake. And cake. And cake. Okay. And as part of the experience, um, the audience gets cake, and we have a conversation about what they heard, what they like, what their thoughts are. And we go out into the world. So there's a conversation that also gets to happen after this. Yeah. Okay. Part right. of the show. All right. So give me the visual. I'm, I'm trying to visualize this. I'm, I'm trying to put it in play for, for uh, the Kosh listeners. Um, I just want to also put out there that Making Cake is coming to UWO. Making yeah. Cake has been at the PAC in Appleton. Um, but it's coming to UWO, I believe. It is April 17th, 7 p.m. Reeve Union Ballroom. So look, right. after we have this conversation, you know, don't don't just sit there and be like, mm, that sounds cool. No, we see you there. We want to see you there. there. So it's something that when your your neighbor, your coworker, or when you hear about it, you're gonna be mad. You're gonna wish that you were there. Um, and I'm going to wish that you're there, too. So it's, when I say experience, it truly is that I've been a performer for two years. Um, so I, and I've been a facilitator for as long. So you put those two things together. And it's love of, of hearing people tell their stories, just like you were doing here. Um, it, just, it just works. And I've had a chance to, for our first season out of the state, we've been on a national tour. We've done, like, dates in cities across the country uh, and the conversation is always rich so just know that you're coming it's i think i'm a little funny too so it's entertaining it's it's story time stories that you wouldn't expect you'll learn more about cake than what you think you wanted to know and more importantly you'll really fall into an authentic rich conversation about you and how you receive this american experience but um in terms of the visual it's it's not a lot of Going by the community theaters, the theatrics, it's me on a stool. I'm telling stories. You've got this big screen with all these archived images and videos. Then you're watching two bakers 
make a cake that we get to eat. In each city that we travel to, there is a guest baker at every show. So the other lovely thing is my husband, he's the baker of the family. So he's my guest baker. And then every city we travel to, we have someone join us on stage. And we have someone incredibly charismatic and definitely connected to the community um, who's going to be our guest baker. Are you familiar with this gentleman at all, Mr. Smith? I might know who the guest baker will be. Um, let me just say that this guest baker is a little nervous about the whole baking part of this uh, scenario because it's way out of their wheelhouse. Uh, and they're just thinking, mm, I almost feel like there's going to have to be some home practice that happens. <laughs> Cause no, I'm excited. If it makes you feel better, Tim, every guest baker, even the ones who professionally own their own bake shop, all the guest bakers are, are nervous. So like you said, how do I visualize this thing that's going to happen? So the first thing that we do when we do the check run through, we have the guests, you know, we have you there so that you can just see it. So, and then once they see it, they go, oh, this is as simple as we said it was. Right. But just the, the imagination is always more powerful than reality. So you will be measuring. Just know that, Timber. If you can follow, instruct, follow a recipe and measure, that's all you have to do. Look. And then we'll have theater magic where the the cake that the audience eats they're not gonna they're not gonna taste what you put together. Oh well, this so, is good that they are and, safe then. Okay, <laughs> I'm feeling I'm feeling much better about the whole experience just on they're that tidbit safe. alone. They uh, are safe, but I'm really excited about this experience. Uh, when I landed on this show, I said, you know, I I want this to be my, my retirement, my retirement work because it's it's a tool. It's it, it's edutainment. It's entertaining, but it's also uplifting, it's enlightening, it's honest, and it's unique every single time because it takes the people in the room. I want to know, um, if I can ask, um, how did you come up with this concept one? And, you know, we didn't talk a lot about the fact that, once again, you have been Milwaukee's Poet Laureate. You have been the state of Wisconsin's Poet Laureate. I got to think that that plays into how this show is constructed in some kind of capacity, um, you know, cause, and, and then there's a word that keeps popping in my head as I, as I'm having my visualization of what I think this would feel like. And it just keeps saying soul, soul, mm -hmm. this is for your soul. It is for you. It is absolutely, it is absolutely for your soul. Um, I'm gonna end, I'm going to start with a comment that I've received, a couple different versions, and I'll say from a few different people, but this exact quote came just from the show we did in Utica. And he said, you know, you're essentially talking to me, middle-aged white man, and everything that you said was hard to hear, and everything that you said was true, and everything that you said was delivered with such grace and humor that I didn't, I didn't have to squirm. I didn't have to feel uncomfortable. And, and I didn't, no one had to feel like they were being uh, maligned or attacked in all of this truth. So thank you for that. Um, so in the interest of doing this show is that I, I often instruct folks because there's a lot of hurt in this history, but the conversation doesn't have to be painful. Mm. And so there's a way for us to 
to have to follow these discussions and it hopefully could be instructive and of a, 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 a muscle memory that we can have these discussions and we can be honest about them and we can include all of our perspectives in trying to have these discussions. Uh, often I feel that what we do is we try to argue about perspective is right or wrong, whose reality is true or not. Right. And Who's we're never going to get you. And we're never going to get anywhere with that. How are you possibly going to tell me that the way that I've experienced my life isn't right or isn't correct or doesn't make sense to you? It's not supposed to make sense to you. Why? Because you have your own mind. You know, I saw some news, uh, some lawmaker, I don't remember what state he was from, in trying to vote down school lunches. His actual quote was, I've never met a hungry child. Well, I guess you wouldn't, Senator whatever, from whatever cul-de-sac you live in with or all of the property taxes are, are abundantly supporting your school. Of course Bruh. you have it. Facts. So how do you possibly, and we do that often because I can't see it, because I haven't lived it, what you said can't be true. And we're never going to get anywhere with that. So in knowing that these are ways that are, are, are ways that are, are disintegrating our skill set for having conversations, how do we create a, a playing field, experience, can do. So that was the, the interest in the show, and I was invited to make an experience like that happen in Sheboygan. The Polar Art Center invited me to come as residency to have these conversations about the community about race and then translate those communities into a show. And one of those conversations was held at a bakery. I was like, see, we need to get folks together over cake. Ooh. And I went to work. Ooh. I've done shows before about objects um, every object has a story. Um, I've been a, a, an arts envoy for the U.S. Embassy. And when I was at an island of Mauritius, and they were saying, oh, we said that you love carrot cake. There's nothing that we would ever have here. So let's figure out something that you can do with our culinary arts students. And at the time, they thought that I that I was going to bake a cake. I'm like, oh, I don't bake at all. That's not my ministry. <clears throat> but I eat. I eat cake all the time. But so I tied those experiences of doing shows about things, finding stories about items. So I started to research the ingredients of cake, and the basic ingredients each tell a story of access, of privilege. And then you start tying these dates together, and that becomes a story of America. So it's a it's an interesting way to enter a familiar conversation, and it's I believe a thorough way to to paint. To remind us all that none of this was by accident. None of this was what happenstance. In fact, there's a lot of malevolent, um, uh, greedy, and short-sighted intention, to your word, that was put into the baking of this year recipe. So let's, let's admit that. Let's just start there. Mm -hmm. And then how does it make you feel? What do you think about it? What else can we add to it? And how do we take this and this move forward? better. Not right, not proper, not changed, but just hearing this and being this experience together instantly makes everybody in that room a bit more expanded. So, and then you give people cake to boot. It's, it's a, it's a win-win. Well, I like this. So it sounds, and help me. So there's narratives, mm -hmm. there's connection, 
there's learning. And then at the end, the unifying unifying word, we have food slash cake. This sounds amazing. I agree. And I would like to correct. Apple pens will be there next year. Oh, we we're next going year. to come okay. this spring, but it's been rescheduled. So okay. This will be our, yeah, we've done Eau Claire, but we will be an Apple pen next year. So I, the, the UWO gets to bring it to the market. Okay. Okay. That's now that's really, really exciting. I know I saw the advertisements. I, you know, I, I never follow back up to see if it ever occurs. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew I knew there was a scheduling for it at some point. Okay, so we we get to kick it off, and it off. and as a UWO Titan, yes, yes, this is exciting, and I do believe you're coming during Social Justice Week. Yes. So yes, 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 and I wanna um, I wanna give my early shout out to um, Professor Abiyama Anamishan. Poetry at UWO. He invited me to come and do a session with his to the students of class. I was able to do a um, a one on one with one of his graduate students, and also did a reading um, with the English department, or on behalf of the English department and the social justice committee. Our class was there, so that introduction to the UWO campus introduced me to this social justice week, and they got it together and pulled it together quick and fast to make it so happen this year. So these um, relationships, this community theater, it, it definitely, um, it works when you're, when you just show up your best self. So I'm really proud that that initial introduction went well. And I'm looking forward to coming back and spending more time with you. All right. All right. And, and now I'm just a little less nervous about being a bit. Just a little. Good. Good. Um, and I kind of want to take a, just a quick second to send a shout out to um, Tom Cannon, who's Oshkosh's poet laureate. Shout out to my man Tom. He's been on. He's been. He's an alumni of the Kosh, um, and a young lady out of Appleton. Um, I'm just gonna say Cat, because um, I, I to be perfectly honest, I can't remember her last name. <laughs> <laughs> but Kat, Kat who is uh, she? She is in the poet community also, and she has been so instrumental and helpful in helping me learn about what what it is to have a poet laureate program um, oh. in the poet community. And so, like, this is still very much. Um, I've done a ton of research for something we're working out. Um, we're not okay. we're not there there yet, but um, you might get a phone call when we, we when we get ready to kick it off. Oh, please do. Just the fact that you're in the conversation is exciting. So when I tell people, you know, what exactly what is it? You know, well, technically, as a poet laureate, you to be the ambassador for the arts. Mm-hmm. But then the person who's your poet laureate, they're going to make their terms. Um, it's going to reflect their relationship with, with the arts. So depending on what that, that relationship is, you're going to get a different program. Um, I'm, as the as the city poet laureate from Milwaukee, my focus was creating a youth poet laureate program. So we all remember, hopefully we all remember being introduced to Amanda Gorman. She changed the game. That's where people learned what a poet laureate was. 
Exactly. And the thing is, when we, when we met, when the world met her, she had been a laureate for three years. She was the first youth laureate in the, in the country. And that program that created the Youth Laureate Network, there are easily 100 youth laureates from cities across the country. And so it's really exciting to add Milwaukee to that list. Madison now has a youth laureate. Um, and in general, the, so that person comes in, they, they apply their relationship. And for me, poetry has always been about the word about my writing and my performance, but also making spaces other people to find a way to connect that way. And as a state laureate, my project was creating a creating a poetry exchange between pedestrian poets, I'll call it, and incarcerated writers. So for me, it's been about using poetry as an invitation and, and a meeting space for these different audiences and neighbors and personalities, and conversations and such. So when you look at it in that way, your poet laureate is another um, ambassador of goodwill. Your poet laureate is someone who's able to activate communities and programs in various ways. Like for the city laureate, the laureate before me, Roberto Harrison, his focus was creating writing communities for Latin writers. Um, for me, Peggy Rosca, the state laureate, because she's been in civil work, she uses her her work as a way that I'm going to read these poems that are about equity, that about justice, as a way of advocacy. So it's going to look different based on people who are selected to be your laureate. And it depends, of course, where you where you live. In some cases, the poet laureate wants to be focused on the art, the poems, the writing, and if that's the relationship, incredible. Um, I was a part of a a serve a black laureate, and we talked a lot about how, in our position, in most cases, our work was so closely tied to our community involvement. Right. We're not just going to go and do readings. I mean, I can do that, but I would much rather do a reading that has, you know, these other impacts. So it's thinking about how that can be an activator for your community through poetry. It's a little bit different than I want to find a role that celebrates poetry in my community. And that's harder for people to wrap their minds around. Or good, bad, or indifferent. So if that helps you at all in your research, know that this is a role, especially where things are flowing with the laureateship across the country. Uh, or you can have that as an expectation that there will be a, like the state court laureateship now is expected that they're going to do some kind of a project. Um, different from we're just going to we're going to celebrate you and all the writing that, that you've done right. that's how you get into the room what are you going to do once you get there so you get if that helps you at all hopefully that helps you get there nope that that's good guidance and um we're going to work at it that's what we you know you got to work at it uh like all things in government if you work in government it moves slow it's <laughs> just the facts there is no exaggeration about that it's just the facts so we just going i'm I, and i'm not mad about moving slow i'm just going to go ahead and, and we're going to slow move this and and hope we end up in the best space which i'm pretty excited because um appleton is a pretty good place and i do believe uh the state of wisconsin's first poet laureate was from appleton which would be uh ellen court Mm -hmm. So, 
Um, so there's legacy. So that's always cool too. All right. Um, any last words on our main topic? Anything you want to share here? I don't think so. I would. I, I don't think so. This has been a great flow of conversation. I really appreciate the insight. All right. So oh, we press the wrong button. We go in here. Oh, there we go. All right. We are wrapping up. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Kosh listeners for spending time with us, uh, giving us your mind for a little while, um, listening to this conversation. Um, please, please, please know we are, we are always in growth mode. We are always trying to become better. We are always trying to learn. Um, and thank you for being part of that journey with us. Um, as you know, you can always, always reach out to us at askthekosh at gmail.com. Once again, that is askthekosh at gmail.com. Do not hesitate. I read every email um, and I am also the person that responds. So um, let us know if you want to be on the show, if you've got questions, if you want to connect with one of our guests, uh, whatever that may be. Um, also, Kosh listeners, you know, we got a voicemail. Become part of the show. Send us a shout out. Send us a thank you. Send us whatever you would like. Uh, send us questions. Uh, and our voicemail is located on our web page, which is thekoshpodcast.com. Just leave us a voicemail and we will play that live in an episode. All right. And then finally, Kosh listeners, please, please, please remember, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us reviews. Let us know how we're doing. Um, help us raise our rank. We want more people to learn about the cash. We think we got something special going on here, here in the cash. And um, that is the way that other people learn about it. All right. Now, more importantly, on to my favorite part of the podcast. It is shout out time. All right. Dasha, what you got? Who, who we shouting out? We're definitely shouting out the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh, their English department team for my initial introduction and invitation to campus. And then sharing that invitation and making a widening at family to the social team. And that is how I'm able to bring, not I'm bringing it, but they're inviting the making cake shows to campus. So those small dots of connection and coffees and breakfast add to that chosen family we were talking about earlier definitely shouting at the UWO again. Okay. Any other shout outs? Anybody else? Anybody, anything in the last, uh, in the immediate future here that has happened? No. Okay. Awesome. Um, my shout outs. I want to send a shout out to Courtney for, uh, connecting me with you. <laughs> I gotta do that. That is important. Uh, I want to send a shout out to all uh, all our poet laureates across Wisconsin out there doing this work. Once again, send a shout out to my man Tom Cannon for uh, holding Oshkosh down. We appreciate you here. Um, I want to send a shout out to. Uh, I got an opportunity yesterday to attend the Trans uh, Visibility Day uh, event that that was held at Lawrence. Um, it was beautiful. Um, Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Um, thank you for letting me be part. And um, I came to learn and I did. I walked away and I learned. Um, and that's super important. 
super, super important. I can't stress that enough. So uh, thank you for everyone associated with that. Um, I want to send a shout out to my man, Jesus, uh, at Lawrence. Also, Jesus, my man, he, he, yes, yes, yes. He's got tenure. And if you know, that's a big deal. So, you know, to my man in his tenure, Jesus, uh, I believe he might be having a little tenure uh, celebration. Um, I want to make sure, you know, thank you for inviting me. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to get to come, but I still want to give you that shout out on that. Um, I want to get a shout out to Alpha Phi Alpha Eta Pi chapter at UW Oshkosh because tonight, which by the time y'all hear this, uh, y'all ain't going to get to go because it's tonight. <laughs> but they got they have a probate tonight, which means there is new young brothers getting introduced to the yard. And I know all y'all may not know what that means, but it means something. Yes, right. It means something to this alpha right here. So um, super important. Okay. And the last thing is um, to Rachel, who makes my Dakash shirts. Uh, I got another batch of Dakash shirts made. So I got some XLs right now and smalls. That's what I got, XLs and smalls. So, you know, nothing in between. You're going to have to work that out. Holla at me if you're interested in a Dakash shirt. All right. Now, we are at the end of the show, and there's one thing left for us to do. And that is this question or questions. All right. Dasha, you ready? Okay. So you have, I, it, it's multiple choice. I like, you know, I just feel like we should all have options. <laughs> so uh, the first choice is to please share with the Kosh listeners parting words of wisdom. Option B would be to share with us what would yourself today Tell your 12-year-old self. Option C is all of the above. So. I am going to cheat a little bit. Ooh. Oh, no. Well, you know, it's a look. We're going to give you time. We're going to give you time. Because uh, there, there's preparation here. You ready? So this is the advice for my younger self. And this is a little writing snippet. I have these uh, departmental health and definitely to keep my pen sharp, but I write these little missives called Doshnet. It's a nickname my mother gave me. And they're 100 words exactly. So I'm taking these stories from my life and I edit them down to 100 words and I email them out to the people. They've even been turned into This is the answer to your question. It's called one of the writing assignments lodged in my project queue is a letter to my teenage self. Scanning my draft, I cringe. Wisdom, warnings, affirmations, it's all wrong. Teen me won't want to hear that everything will turn out one day. We're only artificially equipped for one day at that age. One day felt so smooth, featureless back then. Grown me has learned that one day the texture, unwieldy, and won't fit snugly in your palm. Maybe that's what I'll tell her. That and endures will melt down to a curious knot. Precious stone. Mm. 
All right. Let's just facts. All right. Before we before we go, because we would start going right now, I'm going to say, you know what we didn't do? I don't think we gave. Uh, so you just said that you have an, a way there is a newsletter scenario. How do we how do we follow you? How do we contact? Um, how do we do those things? Because, you know, that's that's important. We got to. Yes, you know, how do we share? You know, how do we follow? How do we find, find all the things at DashaKelly.com? Okay. So at DashaKelly.com, my website, you can find my socials. I live on Instagram, more so than anywhere else. And also you can subscribe to these, these uh, newsletters, Dasha. Quick thing, and I, once a week, 100 words. I don't send any other extra stuff. And I, people say there's a, breath, a little pop of fresh air in their inbox. So I really welcome DashaKelly.com. Okay. Uh, all right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spending this time with us. What you think? Yeah, this is great. Thank you. All right. Thank you for making this space. Oh, I'm yeah. To come and be, and be there, there the, the Kosh. The Kosh.